Dictionaries define a saveloy as a highly seasoned dried sausage. Saveloys, like life, contain many varied and interesting subjects. But also like life, we must ask, is there actually anything good inside? Welcome to Inside the Saveloy with your hosts, Colin and Stu, as they look deep inside film, music, literature, TV and major events. Is there anything good inside this saveloy? Let's find out. Right, and we are going inside the Savaloy today. Remember, this is our deep dive into um, film, music, art, culture, events. All of them, maybe in once. All of those things, that's right. Um, Because today's is possibly multiples of those. Oh, it is, it is. is. So we're going to do the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, yeah. It's a classic. It is a classic, and we're going to see if it still holds up today. And um, Yeah. Because it it is a cult classic. But uh, maybe there's some things in it that aren't, aren't actually so fresh. No, right. Okay. We'll, we'll have a look at that anyway. So we're going to do the Rocky Horror Show. Uh, picture show, and of course this is a 1975 musical science fiction horror comedy uh, produced by Lou Adler and Michael White and directed by Jim Sharman. Uh, the screenplay was written by Sharman and also actor Richard O'Brien. Now, of course, Richard O'Brien um, is New Zealander. He's a New Zealander. He's a New Zealander, yeah. yeah. Um, and he was also a member of the the Broadway cast because this is based on a, a musical stage production and um, West End cast as well. It looks a bit like, like it when you watch the movie. Oh, absolutely. So, uh, and that was called The Rocky Horror Show, of course, so then they turned it into a film called The Rocky Horror Picture Show. It is a parody tribute to the science fiction and horror uh, B-movies of the 1930s through to the early 1970s. And in the film, along with uh, Richard O'Brien, who plays Riff Raff, the film stars Tim Curry as Frankenfurter, Susan Sarandon as Janet, and Barry Boswick as Brad, uh, and Meatloaf is in it as well as Eddie, and as it's narrated by Charles Gray, who um, he was a Bond villain yep. in one of those films. And, He's got uh, the voice for it, hasn't he? He has. And of course, in the film, they used other original members from uh, some of the stage productions, which was good because there were some... Uh, with this film, Mick Jagger wanted to play Frankenfurter. I'm just, shake, I'm just shaking my head at that, Stu, yeah. really. And Richard O'Brien, no, wasn't too keen on that. Yeah, good on you. And uh, Marion Faithful wanted to play Magenta, I think, yeah. in this. And again, uh, Richard O'Brien put his foot down. I don't know no. if I could see Marion Faithful doing that, really. No, no. Well, this is what the studio wanted. They wanted some big-name people in, well, of course in, they in did. the cast, which is what they do, yep. rather than people who can actually do the job. Yeah, and this this happens a lot when they make that transition between uh, stage and film with musicals. Uh, the film um, Rent, I think, was another example of that, where they wanted to fill it up with name actors, uh, but somewhere along the line they put their foot down, and a lot of the stage people actually ended up doing it. Yeah, right. Which which is always going to be better, right? Yeah, for sure. And, they, they, and they've <laughs> got all the um, they got all the hours under their belt oh, of that, doing it. That's right. right. They, they may have done in an excess of fifty shows, right? Depending yeah. on what the production is. That's right. So, um, so yeah, so some good decisions. And it's all those actors, and they are so young. Yeah. Like Susan Sarandon. How young is she in that? Well, she's young. And Meatloaf. (laughs) Meatloaf, Meatloaf's very very young. Yeah. And so is Tim Curry, right? Mm. I mean, I don't know what else he'd done before then. Mostly stage stuff. Had he? Yeah. But, um, yeah, he's way over the top. He's amazing in it. Mm, He is. Amazing. He is. So what we're going to do, we're going to break down sort of a synopsis scene by scene and we're going to play some of the music as well. And we'll have a chat about some of the things that go on um, in this film and uh, whether, yeah, again, whether they hold up or not. So the the film opens with a, a set of lips, 
right? That's really <laughs> effective, isn't it? Yeah, it is. On that black screen yeah. with those bright red yeah. lips and, and the close-up. And that Patricia Quinn's lips. Oh, okay. Okay, so in the stage show, this song is actually done by an usherette on stage. Right. And, and so she sings this uh, science fiction double feature song, yeah. which is essentially, um, you know, the history or of B-grade science fiction that, they, that the, the voice goes through. So in the film... Um, yeah, Patricia Quinn or Magenta's lips, but Richard O'Brien sings the song. Now she really liked this song, and she was re- when she got cast in the film, she was really looking forward to singing it. But she got cut, which she wasn't very happy about. <laughs> <laughs> so as a bit of compensation, yeah, she's she's the lips. Yeah, right. In it. It's super catchy. Yeah, it all is. the songs in it. Are. Yeah, yeah, they are. But we're not going to play this one. Right. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we haven't got time to play them all. Yeah. No worries. Okay. So we're only going to do the ones that are involved. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we had this conversation. Yeah. No. It's, it's fine. Right. I'm going along with the. <laughs> I'm going along with the script. Don't worry about me. I'm going to subvert the script. Or anyway, so after the song, we open at the wedding of Ralph and Betty, where Brad Majors and Janet Weiss, Weiss are attending. Um, inspired, Brad proposes to Janet, and she accepts. Yep. Okay, so um, this is this is a very iconic scene within the film and a, a really happy song to yeah. to begin the movie as well. And of course, um, the minister and some of the other church staff are Tim Curry, Patricia Quinn, and Little Nell. Mm. And and the way they are dressed and the way they stand, of course, mirrors the American Gothic painting. It does. With, it was all over, this, isn't yeah. it? It's American <laughs> Gothic all over. And uh, I watched an interview with Patricia Quinn, and she said she had no idea what American Gothic was. Oh, okay. And and one of the things with this church scene as well, they didn't have a lot of money for this production. And so one side of the church you don't see at all because there was actually nothing there. Oh, okay. Mm. Very clever. (laughs) It's a great scene, though. Yeah, it is. All that singing and dancing outside. And and, and, and as with this film, there's a lot going on in the background as well. and I, I think I think the cast members' names are actually on the gravestones in the cemetery. Right, I could be wrong about that. Mm. But the the big track here is "Damn It, Janet." What do you think of that one, Stu? Uh, it's a very catchy song. It's super catchy. It's isn't super it? catchy, and and uh, you know lots. Of, and I've seen the stage show as well, of course. Um, and I saw it back in about 1986. And I've talked to you about this. I don't know. I've talked on air about this, but Russell Crowe was in it, um, and he he played the the, the dual characters of Eddie. And uh, Dr. Scott, um, because that's what happens usually in the stage show, because Eddie gets killed. No, oh, right, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. So you have one actor who plays both roles. Okay. Um, yeah, but super catchy and always plays out nicely on stage. And, I mean, the um, the outfit in particular that Janet wears wasn't necessarily the one that was worn in the stage show. But after this film, that has become the iconic outfit right. um, that most of the the stage show productions of this year. He's got that coat. Yeah, yeah, and it's, yeah, it's very pink. And yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, yeah, but a good fun song. Yeah, it was good. Eh? And a yeah. good bit of dancing it scene is. in it and uh, all yeah, that kind of stuff. So anyway, Brad and Janet decide to go see the man who began it, which who was their mentor, uh, Dr. Scott. On the way, they find themselves lost and with a flat tyre on a cold and rainy late, no- late November evening somewhere near Denton in Texas. Seeking a telephone, the couple walk to a nearby castle where they discover a group of strange and outlandish, pe- land- outlandish people who are holding an annual Transylvanian convention. Oh, yes, right. it's a creepy old castle, isn't it? It is a creepy castle. And, um, I mean, one of the things, when they're driving there, Richard Nixon's speech is being played. Oh, yes, that's right. right. And yeah. uh, Richard O'Brien didn't like this happening because he felt that it date or time stamped the film okay and he didn't want the time period to be recognized at all because yeah. um, it is quite timeless right there's, yeah, there's yeah. nothing else in it that could give it away apart from no. maybe the car 
Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, and I guess to a degree, the the clothes that Brad and Janet yeah. are wearing. Yeah, um, but, but not not really. Though. No, they're pretty yeah. Um, average. Yeah, okay. yeah. And, and it's just over, typical over the top stuff. Yeah, uh, everything else is quite punky, really. In the, yeah, and, it is. And glam rock, of course. Yeah, yeah, which we'll talk about. Oh, good, because that was the one thing I was going to talk to you about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So. Uh, I love this the song. I'm going to play the song over at the Frankenstein place. Oh yeah, and they go in. They so go in and so, riff, so hopefully you've got it queued riff up. Ra- yep. Riff Raff uh, <laughs> meets him at the door, doesn't he? When he takes him inside, and he's the yeah. typical creepy yeah. kind of butler guy. Yeah. Now, um, as they're walking through the grounds of the the ca- the castle or the mansion, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's raining, and so they used Janet's holding newspaper, newspaper above her, yeah. which has actually got a plastic covering on it, to, because they wanted to do or needed to do multiple takes, of course. But it didn't stop; <laughs> it oh. didn't stop the rain, and it was didn't stop her from getting cold. And of course, during this production, she does catch pneumonia, and right. this was potentially the start of it <laughs> for, for her art, giving yeah. it up for her art. Yeah. So anyway, I think this is a very sweet song, and, and uh, because Riff Raff comes in. At one point as well, yeah, uh, it just adds to the whole thing. And of, of course, Colin, with this particular show, it encourages audience participation, and this is something that really developed in the um, theatre. In the theatre, yeah. What? But uh, with screenings in the United States, and they started having midnight screenings because initially, when this film was was actually released, it didn't do that well. Right. And um, there's a story about Meatloaf and the director of this film going to a theatre, and there's just nobody in there so, right. at all. Um, but it did managed to garner a bit of a cult following, especially when they started doing late night screenings, midnight screenings, and then people started dressing up and then people started calling out and doing the lines and then adding things in between. I mean, for example, during that song, when um, Riff Raff comes to the window, typically what you hear is a whole heap of cheers in, oh, okay. in the, in the theatre. Yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, it has become very famous for its audience participation. Right. And and a lot of the things that are said are not appropriate, of course. I was just going to say, Stu, my overall, if I had one word to to kind of wrap it all up, I would say it's subversive, right? And mm. I think in yeah. 1975, people weren't ready for it. No, no. No way. It's a very progressive yeah, For sure. Yeah. For sure it is. Yeah. And, um, you know, that probably um, a lot of middle America firstly wouldn't like it, and secondly didn't get it. Yeah, that's right. You know, yeah. and um, so... Definitely, and, and that whole bit with, um, you know, in that next scene with Frankenfurter, I don't know if you're going to talk about the next scene and, yep. and, and the song, but, you know, he, the idea that he's in kind of all that stockings and high heels and... And I think Tim Curry himself said that his character was pansexual. Right. So, yeah, again. <laughs> yeah, like way before, years before yeah, people yeah, were yeah. talking about that, right? Absolutely. And I was talking about the audience participation and the dressing up. Some of the people that go along to these screenings, which still happen and certainly happened through the 80s and, and 90s, wouldn't be typically people who dress up like, like Frankenfurt. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> or I, even think about doing that. I remember being in Soho in London in a... Um, you know, in the evening. Mm-hmm. And um, the more, uh, like a whole load of people walking past me as yeah. they were off to to see the stage play. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, uh, on with the film. So they they arrive at the Frankenstein place and they're soon swept up into the world of Dr. Frankenfurter, a self-proclaimed sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania. The ensemble of convention attendees also includes his servants Riff Raff, his sister Magenta, and a groupie named Columbia. And it, it's um, when they come into the 
into the castle. Uh, this is where they did the time warp, which is probably yeah. the most famous number. It's so popular, isn't yeah, it? it is. Song. And it's been done in lots of other things as well. It used to be done at telethons and all sorts of oh, stuff. Oh, really? Um, it's got the dancing thing, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, and back in 1989, I was in a stage show called The Dracula Spectacular. Right. And it wasn't part of the script, but uh, the director of that particular show at school um, put the time warp into it. So I did Riff Raff's part in, oh, really? in the time warp because I was kind of a, a hunchback assistant to Dracula in this story. Oh, okay. So yeah, we did the we did the time warp. You're an Igor, were you? Yeah, kind of like an Igor. It's designed on an Igor. Genghis, I think my name was. Oh, right. And I, I, I'll do some lines because I still remember them, but yeah. not today. Not today. Not today. Another time. So um, yeah, after they did the time warp, then that pretty much transitioned straight into another big number which is sweet transvestite yeah uh, because they're out in his lab is yep. that where it is oh, just before they he oh, comes down that's and, right yep, yes and reveals himself yeah and so we're gonna he's do got s- a cloak on hasn't he yeah he's got a cloak and then he kind of whips it off and yeah. it's the big reveal, yeah he looks like it? he kind of comes down looking like a vampire yes but he's not yeah that's yeah. right yeah and of course uh sweet transvestite that includes the classic line i see you shiver and anticipate yeah Patient, <laughs> and you're playing the next one already. Patient, That's sorry. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and so at the stage show that I went to, and I'll keep coming back to that. When he does that line, he waited forever. And oh, ever, really? And uh. ever and ever, and of course the crowd was just cracking up uh, with it. So it's a great thing about this show as well um, that there's lots of fourth wall breaking, and it's the same in the movie, but lots of things like that that then, um, you know, create a, a classic situation in the stage show and then you remember it in the film. Because quite often he looks at and talks to the audience, yeah, doesn't he? Does, he? Yeah. yeah, Yeah, well, when, again, in that in that track when he says, um, or when he sings, well, you got caught with a flat, well, how about that? Yeah, yeah he looks directly into the lens. Yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I was thinking to myself, so I hadn't seen this movie mm. since, um, the first time I ever saw it was in the early 80s. Yeah. On, on VHS. Well, I think I saw it on TV. It was um, it was a Friday night film, and there was a bit of anticipation, oh, right. <laughs> funnily enough, leading up to it. Okay. And, uh, yeah, it was a Friday night, and I remember watching it with my brother and, and a couple of my cousins, and I think uh, that my cousins in particular thought it was going to be some sort of horror film. <laughs> oh, okay. So they very quickly went to sleep. Oh, okay. But I was transfixed by the whole thing. Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. now it's on Netflix, right? Yeah, yeah. So people can just access it if it's on there. So. And when I watched it, I would have watched it with ads. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Which yeah. Which would have been terrible. Well, it breaks it up, doesn't <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah. And then a few years later, I went to the stage show, uh, which was great. And I encourage anyone out there, if you're ever able to go to a, a, the produ- this production, it's go to it. Yeah. It's lots of fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's like a pantomime. Yeah. yeah. Christmas in England, there are those pantomimes, mm. you know, and there's lots of audience position. Oh, they're behind you and yeah, all this kind yeah, of, stuff. Of, stuff. of stuff. It's all yeah. like that. It's great. Yeah, well, the stage show that was here, I remember at the start, before the whole production began, there were just these people standing like statues and they had these masks on and they just stood there and then they started moving or they'd move a little bit oh, all right. and one of them dropped from the um, the balcony or whatever. Right, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, so there's cool. lots going on. Cool, sounds yeah. good. So in this in this next scene, they um, they go back in the um, elevator, don't they? Go up to the, um, to the to lab. his laboratory, yeah? Yeah, so in that lab, uh, Frank claims to have discovered the secret to life itself. His creation, Rocky, is brought to life. Uh, the ensuing celebration is soon interrupted by Eddie, who's an ex-delivery boy, both Frank and Columbia's ex-lover, as well as a partial brain donor to Rocky. He's got a lot going on, hasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> uh, played by Meatloaf. Uh, uh, yeah. 
and so Eddie, a good motorbike too. Yeah, Eddie rides out of a deep freeze on a motorcycle and then he proceeds to seduce Columbia, get the Transylvanias dancing and singing and intrigues Brad and Janet. When Rocky starts dancing and enjoying the performance, a jealous Frank kills Eddie with an ice pick. Columbia screams in horror, devastated by Eddie's death. Frank justifies killing Eddie as a mercy killing to Rocky and they depart to the bridal suite. It's yeah. actually quite a dark scene, this one. Yeah, yeah. When he kind of yeah. the blood trail that goes back into the deep freeze it and is. Eddie's is. in the corner of yeah, it. And, and Columbia's just screaming and screaming. Yeah. All that jealousy, mm. all the jealousy of his creation. Now, I was talking about things that I don't quite like in this film, and I don't mind that scene, but the whole, um, and I understand why they did it, because it's very big science fiction-y, but the whole creation of Rocky kind of drags on a bit for me. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> so I, I don't in particular like that, but I think they could have shortened that up, and some of the effects aren't. That's that spectacular. That flash. No. Pouring all those. Um, they're pouring all those coloured dyes into the water, aren't they? Yeah, they are. And he yeah, comes out of it. And they, there was some other point that Richard O'Brien made about this scene. I think that he wanted, but it's gone from my head. Yeah, right. Anyway, anyway, I just it just kind of it's kind of awkward and drags on a bit long. Yeah. I just um, it's interesting that Meatloaf's in it because yeah. um, I don't know how much kind of um, exposure he had before that. Mm. You know, as an artist. And I mean, of course, I don't, you know, Bad Out of Hell was late 70s, wasn't it? And this is, so, yeah. you can obviously see he's got it. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Absolutely. It's got and the worst it, haircut going, just <laughs> yeah. say. And it's a, it's a very small role, but still yeah. quite iconic for this film. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and the fact that it is Meatloaf um, sort of has a legacy because of that. And uh, super rocking song. Yeah, it it reminds me so much of like the 1950s just rock and roll, Stu. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Every time I hear any of those songs, really, I just think that's what it is. And it's an interesting scene as well because there's so much happy stuff, of course, because of that song. Everyone's enjoying themselves, having a great time. And then Frank and Furtick (laughs) kills Eddie with an axe. Ah, yeah, that's right. With an ice pick. So it's, uh, as we mentioned before, it's quite a dark scene, really. And then he goes into I Can Make You a Man... um, a reprise of that and then of course takes uh, Rocky off to the bridal suite that's right <laughs> and at that point Brad and Janet are shown to separate bedrooms where each is visited and seduced by Frank who poses as Brad when visiting Janet and then as Janet when visiting Brad um, and that they do that uh, in the film they used it well they do it the same in the stage show as well uh, certainly the version I saw back in the 80s they had like a silhouette it's so funny. Oh, right. So funny. So very, very funny. It's completely hedonistic, this uh, <laughs> yeah. Frankenfurter, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, so anyway, Janet, upset and emotional, she wanders off to look for Brad, who she discovers via a television monitor, is in bed with Frank. <laughs> That's right. Because uh, Riff Raff and Magenta are watching it, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they are. She then discovers um, Rocky cowering in his birth tank, hiding from Riff Raff, who has been tormenting him. While tending to his wounds, Janet becomes intimate with Rocky as Magenta and Columbia watch from their bedroom monitor. And so this is the song. We're going to play two songs. Um, and we'll, we'll have a chat in between so we can tee it up. It's the thing with some of these tracks we've got. They've got some dialogue, which we don't want to play. Yeah. So this is Touch a Touch a Touch Me, um, which uh, uh, which is a, a very fun song. And I just love the look on uh, Janet's face at the start of this. And then after that, when we come back, we're going to play Once in a While. Now, this is a... Brad's solo, which actually isn't in the film. Ooh. All right. Um, and you have to watch special features to see this. It is in the stage show, of course. But yep. it just goes, stands to reason as well. If Janet gets a solo, then Brad needed to have oh, a solo. Because yeah. they're both, of course, reflecting on what's just happened to them. Because yep. they're pretty naive 
couple of naive people. Brad Solo, which is cut from the film. Quite and, slow, that one. Yeah, and you can sort of understand why they, they cut it. It would have been a pacing issue, definitely. Yeah. And then um, Janet's Touch, uh, Touch, Touch Me. How could mm. I forget that? <laughs> yeah, 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 that's right. Uh, with that scene, they, the producers, or yeah, probably the producers actually wa- wanted Janet to, or Susan Sarandon to appear nude. Well, she already got sick from being cold. Yeah. <laughs> She's going to get sick of and, it, she? and so she refused. And actually, when you look at it, there's no need for her to yeah, be nude no, in that right. scene at all. No. You know. Absolutely, it's it's better that you know she's in her bra. And, yeah, it and doesn't add to anything, no, does it? No, 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 not at all. So a couple of interesting songs there because Brad's one is is quite self reflective. Yeah, where Janet's one is more burgeoning sexuality. Oh, right? yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So interesting. Uh, that one, the good, the funny thing about Brad's one is he's sitting on the bed, smoking and. Um, Frankenfurt is just in bed asleep. <laughs> it just always cracks me up on the TV monitor. Right. Anyway, so after discovering that his creation is missing, he goes, calming. Uh, Frank returns to the lab with Brad and Riff Raff, where Frank learns that the, an intruder has entered the building. Brad and Janet's old high school science teacher, Dr. Everett Scott, the guy that they were coming to see. He's come looking for his nephew, Eddie. It's a small world, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, it's Frank, all intertwined. It is. Frank suspects that Dr. Scott investigates UFOs for the government. Upon learning of Brad and Janet's connection to Dr. Scott, Frank suspects them of working for him. Frank, Dr. Scott, Brad and Riff Raff then discover Janet and Rocky together under the sheets in Rocky's birth tank, upsetting Frank and Brad. And this is this classic scene where they go, Rocky! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they keep repeating it. Janet, Brad! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they they right. do all of that. And again, on the stage show, they do that forever. Oh, in a round. <laughs> it's like a round yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah it's, it's great. Um, uh, upsetting Frank and Brad. So Magenta interrupts the reunion by sounding a massive gong and stating that dinner is prepared. Rocky and the guests share an uncomfortable dinner. Now, uh, one of the things with Doctor, the character of Dr. Scott in the film, he has a German accent, and yep. Richard O'Brien didn't want this um, because of the whole, especially what happens in the stage show, because whenever his name's mentioned, they call him, the crowd says Dr. Von Scott. So right. there's a there's a sort of hinting that he's you know a Nazi in hiding. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, Richard O'Brien didn't want him having a German accent in the film because it kind of spoils that mystery that he's yeah know, potentially a Nazi in hiding. Yeah. Right. Oh, okay. That whole story. Didn't, didn't see that. So they have dinner, um, and this is where uh, Doctor Scott sings Eddie's Teddy, uh, which is again a catchy little song. Um, ended, but when. They realise that they have been prepared. Eddie's mutilated remains. Um, Looked like a ham to me, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. Rocky pulls back the tablecloth to reveal yeah. Eddie's underneath there. And again, they didn't tell most of the cast about this, so their looks on their faces are quite genuine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the shock. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, if you look closely at the dummy that is supposed to be Meatloaf, it, mm. very, <laughs> very, it lo- doesn't look real no, <laughs> in no. the slightest. It yeah. looks very plastic or waxy. would have been better if... Um, would have been better if Meatloaf was just lying there. Yeah, yeah. Funnily that Meatloaf should be served for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just I knew you were going to do that. Did you? <laughs> yeah, I did. Oh, I thought so, it was quite unique. Uh, so anyway, uh, Janet runs screaming into Rocky's arms, provoking provoking Frank to chase her through the halls. Janet, Brad, Dr. Scott, Rocky and Columbia all meet in Frank's lab where Flag, uh, Frank captures them with the, the Medusa, transducer, transforming them into nude statues. Um, and then we get Planet Schmammit, Janet during that which we'll play next. Now, these nude statues, um, again, Richard O'Brien didn't want these. Oh, okay. Um, he wanted some sort of fuzzy thing because they're 
they've been turned into matter essentially or antimatter yeah, or whatever right. it is I don't know the science behind it so you wanted some sort of fuzzy thing that then would bring them back together when they oh, use yeah. the transducer again a bit like in um, Willy Wonka when they go on the TV thing yeah over yeah that's right because the interesting thing when they turned into statues um, they're naked statues, apart from Dr. Scott who's he's in, a he's in a wheelchair and he's got a blanket over yeah, him. Yeah. And the other thing there's a, what do you call the base underneath? A plinth or something yep, like that? Plinth. plinth. Yep. So how did the transducer make a plinth? <laughs> you, can't talk, you can't look too closely at these things, Stu. It's just kind of interesting. They, they, I'm sure there's lots of other things that people would question, but plinth, plinth <laughs> development is plinth, not one of them. Plinth development. Okay, so after that song, so they're all turned into statues and then... Um, Rocky and his team, not Rocky, Frank and Furter and his team, they dress them up in cabaret costume and then Frank unfreezes them and they perform, perform a live cabaret floor show uh, complete with an RKO tower and a swimming pool. Oh, yeah, that was pretty stylish. <laughs> yeah, with Frank as their leader. So there's kind of a trilogy of songs that happens. So there's Don't Dream It, Be It, then Wild and Untamed Thing, and then eventually I'm Going Home, um, which Frank sings by himself. Um, but before that, Riff, Raff and Magenta interrupt the performance, revealing themselves and Frank to be aliens from the planet Transsexual in the galaxy of Transylvania. That's right. <laughs> Which was a big surprise to me the first time I saw this. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, they stage a coup and announce a plan to return to their home planet. And this is when uh, Frank sings, I'm going home, thinking that he's going home, but he's actually not. It's no, very presumptuous he, of him. No, Riff Raff has that trident-looking ray gun, doesn't he? Yes, 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 yes. And so um, in the process, they kill Columbia and Frank, who has failed his mission. An enraged Rocky gathers Frank in his arms, climbs to the top of the tower and plunges to his death in the pool below. Riff Raff and Magenta release Brad, Janet and Dr Scott and depart by lifting off in the castle itself. The survivors are left crawling in the dirt and the narrator concludes that the human race is equivalent to insects crawling on the planet's surface. Lost in time and lost in space. Before we get to that little bit, right? Mm. When he climbs up, when Rocky climbs up with Frank... In one of the earlier songs, he refers to like a skirt over the thigh of Faye Ray. Mm, mm. Now she was the um, she was the lady in um, King Kong. King Kong. Yeah, is that? Yeah, that's I think the he, link, right? He, he does. He does a parody of King Kong. Absolutely, because yep, he's climbing up. up and he goes. Ugh. That's right. Yeah, and shakes his fist. I'm glad I didn't dream that. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. didn't dream it. Cool. You didn't dream it. And then um, the last song that's played is Superheroes, and sometimes this is missed from um, cuts of the film as well. Certainly played in most of the UK versions, I think, but sometimes left from the US versions. Right. And this is just Brandon... Ah, Brandon. Brad and Janet. <laughs> Brad and Janet. Yep. Doing that Hollywood thing, you know, where they put them, like, put them together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, here's where we need to have a discussion about if there's anything good inside the Savoy that is the Rocky Horror Picture Show. No, I think right? it's completely enjoyable. Yeah. Music. I was just going to say the music's fantastic. It's you know I think you know the actors in their finest hour. Maybe other people might argue that they're better <laughs> in other movies, but I just think well, it's I, just I think, timeless. I think Susan Sarandon won an Academy Award for something, didn't she? Yeah, well, Dead Men Walking. Yeah, who cares or Thelma and Louise. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but it's it's completely fun. Yeah, and, and it, enjoyable. I think that's the thing about it. It is it is fun, and the songs are iconic. The songs are known. Yeah, uh, it's just a good time throughout. I, I mean, I've watched this film many times, and again, I've been to the stage show, and it, it never gets dull for me at any point, apart from the creation of Rocky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is long and drawn out. Yeah, uh, which isn't it, it isn't done that way in the stage show. Uh, so yeah, it definitely holds up. One of my favourite favourite yeah. films. I think it's worth yeah. 
worth having a revisit if you haven't seen it in a while. Yeah, and definitely. There's, there's lots of interesting stories behind it as well, which people should check out. It's a good Saturday night movie. Oh, it is. It is. Thanks for joining us inside the Savaloy. Check out our Facebook page and leave us a comment and review. And feel free to suggest a topic for one of our shows. It will cost you nothing. We're also on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes and other fine podcasting sites. See you next time.